Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to It's Time for More Injury Funding, the podcast for all who want to learn about legal funding and its significance in the personal injury, tracking accident law, wrongful death, traumatic brain injuries, and many other types of law practice domains. I'm your host, Laura, founder and CEO of More Injury Funding, the legal funding counselors with a passion for law, medicine, legal funding, and heart for all suffering individuals. More Injury Funding is the host of this podcast, sponsor, member, associate, or business partner of Academy of Truck Accident Attorneys, Sandy Springs Bar Association, Georgia Association of Paralegals, State Bar of Georgia, and Georgia Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. In today's episode, we have a very special guest, uh, plaintiff's attorney and founding partner, Joe Fried with Fried Goldberg, known to many nationwide as a truck accident attorney. Um, Joe is a managing shareholder at a firm and is based in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I've known personally Joe for approximately seven. I think at least six or seven years. Yes. <laughs> Crazy. Time flies. Time that definitely flies. And, and to me personally, Joe is one of the most humble, bitty, intelligent, patient. I'm a blush on this <laughs> call. And, and friendly, friendly people that I know. And he truly does listen. That's that's what really caught my attention when I first met Joe, before I even knew who he was. Uh, Joe Fried is known for his dedication to advocating for the rights of his clients and his commitment to achieving justice. He has successfully handled numerous high-profile cases, securing substantial verdicts and settlements for his clients. He is a principal founder of Truck Accident Law. Joe is credited with developing many of the best practices used by lawyers nationally in truck accident investigation and truck accident litigation. Joe Fried's expertise in trucking accident litigation has earned him recognition as one of the leading attorneys in this field in the country. In addition to his legal practice, Joe Fried is actively involved in various professional organizations, including the American Association for Justice, the Georgia Trial Lawyers Association, uh, the Interstate, uh, Interstate uh, Trucking Litigation Group, and so many others. Uh, he co-founded the Academy of Truck Accident Attorneys with the goal of educating lawyers around the country about how to maximize results in truck uh, crash cases. Um, Joe frequently speaks at legal conferences and seminars, sharing his knowledge and insights with fellow attorneys. Attorney Joe Fried and his firm, uh, Fried Goldberg, understand the physical, emotional, and financial toll that accidents can have on individuals and their families. With their extensive experience and resources, they strive uh, to help their clients obtain the compensation they deserve. Today, attorney Joe Fried, known nationwide as a truck accident attorney, will discuss the scope of trucking accidents and trucking law impact on our communities and provide some valuable insights into some truck accident statistics. Um, he also will tell us some of his most memorable cases he's ever worked on and talk about how far a determination, humility, and love of people can take one in a personal life, relationships, business, and community. Um, and finally, I have uh, some uh, fun pop-up question for you, Joe, today. So please do, uh, stay tuned in, my dear listeners, and hear um, your uh -oh. for a treat today. <laughs> so and we're going to do all of that in 10 minutes. <laughs> so with no further ado, I'm introducing to you attorney Joe Fried. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. And I'm it's it's been nice for me to see you find your place. Um I've 
known you, like we said, for six or seven years, and I've watched you look for and then now find what I think your passion is. And so it's a joyful thing for me to see a big smile on your face doing what you know you're supposed to be doing. Um, and um, so I'm actually interested in learning more about, I may interview you on this podcast. We might flip it around. We could eventually. Of <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Absolutely. So Joe, tell me, please, why people in the legal community know and call you the truck accident attorney? <laughs> How did you get this name? Well, you know, I mean, the, my my truth, and the, some of you know my story, and those who don't, um, it's a, I'm not going to bore you with all the details, but it all comes down to a day where, especially a night, about three o'clock one morning, when um, I accepted what I think my calling uh, is, and that's to be a truck crash lawyer. Back then, what's hard for a lot of people to appreciate today is nobody was a truck crash lawyer. There wasn't a single billboard. There wasn't a single advertisement about truck crash law. There wasn't anything. And, and so when I woke up that next morning and, and started telling people, I think I'm supposed to be a truck crash lawyer, they they, they thought I was crazy. They kind of made fun of me. Um, and um, what I did was I set out to do what I had done before when I, when I, I've always been kind of a niche lawyer. Um, and it's, I mean, you know, the foundation of that is, is even, kind of an interesting story and I won't go into a bunch of details but basically I come from a from a a background where I that led me to believe that in order to be the best lawyer for me to be the best lawyer I could be I really need to be a subject matter expert in something in addition to being as much of an expert as I can be on how to handle law so the underlying thing in this case would be truck crashes but before that I spent a decade handling nothing but post-collision, post-rear impact collision cases where there were fires and people would burn up in cars after a rear end crash. I did that for a decade, nothing but that. So you can imagine I, I studied that at a pretty high level um, and developed a, an expertise that even today, I think I could probably go against world-class people in fuel system engineering um, and hold at least hold my own. Um, and so at the time, the decision, I made the decision to be, be involved in trucking. That decision really was one where it was a foregone conclusion to me that I was going to become a subject matter expert in trucking. So going to truck driving school, um, studying everything that I could about what does it take to become licensed as a truck driver? What does it, what does it take to become a trucking company? What does it take to become a driver trainer? What does it take to become... Um, a, a safety director, a certified safety director, who is certifying people? What is what is the state of where we are as an industry in trucking? I wanted to become an expert in all of that. I was, I was thirsty for all of the information. And meanwhile, on the on the legal side, I started to make myself immediately available to do two things. One, to teach anybody else who might be interested in learning about this, number one. And number two, to help anybody who may need feel like they need some help uh, in handling an actual legal case. My thought was that if I could become known for, if I could learn the stuff and truly become a, a, a truly become an expert in it, the underlying aspects of everything as much as possible having to do with trucks, 
and then make myself available within the legal world, that that would work. I, I knew it would work because it had, it had worked for me in handling that other unique area of law before. So I had the benefit of knowing that niching down works for me. And, and so now um, it's been almost 20 years of doing this. I've done well over a thousand presentations to lawyers and judges and people within the industry and law enforcement. Um, basically, anybody who's willing to listen to me um, about the area of truck crash law and the holes that exist within that training, the holes that exist within the training in law enforcement. Um, and so when you, I've, I've written a couple of books in this area. I've, I've done lots of podcasts in this area. I travel around the country, both handling cases and going to local bar uh, associations and to, and to um, uh, uh, law enforcement functions and teach in this area. Um, and so if you do it enough for long enough, people are going to get to know you. And at this point, it's it's kind of uh, it's kind of weird because I do now go around the country and people know me for for oh you're the truck crash guy, and um, and you know that's what I set out to do. So it was very intentional in in its making. That's amazing. So now with uh, with your over thirty years of experience in personal injury and commercial litigation and focus on representing victims of trucking accident and other catastrophic injuries, uh, let's talk about the prevalence of truck accidents. Um, can you discuss the frequency of truck accidents and their impact on on road safety? Uh, and can you please highlight any recent trends or changes in accident rates? Well, um, those are those are all great questions, and there's a bunch of questions wrapped up in there. I mean, we, we after after a number of years in a row of increase of of statistics becoming better, um, we mo the most recent statistics show that we've slid backwards. Um, there are uh, about a little over five thousand deaths a year as a result of of um, truck crashes, but um, but that doesn't really tell the whole story because there are so many very very serious injury cases. I don't know the exact number, and um, I don't think the exact number is known. Uh, it's not that I don't know it alone. I'm, somebody may know it. I don't. I don't know it, but it's a lot. And my focus has been to try to reduce that. And people. So, well, as a lawyer handling injury and death cases, don't you want there to be a lot of these cases? And my true answer, if I could rip open my chest and show you my heart, you would see that I'm telling you the gospel truth. I would love to put myself out of business. I would love for, uh, and I view it as my my job to reduce the number of these cases. And that's why I'm out there speaking so much about it. That's why I speak to the industry so much. That's why when we resolve cases, it's not only about money, it's about safety. It's about how are you going to change your trucking company as a result of this crash? So um, we're doing some things to try to do it. And I know I didn't specifically answer your question directly, but but what's in, what, what the, 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 big, the big things that to me are important that go to the, the area of statistics are we got a long way to go. And we're, where we're seeing improvement is we're seeing because I believe um, of the, the the push that's happened over the last 20 years in this area from plaintiff side, we're seeing the industry respond by saying, you know, maybe safety really is good business. Maybe um, 
maybe upgrading our trucks to equipment that has the, the, the newest safety technology makes sense. Maybe making sure that our drivers are getting regular training makes sense because what they're afraid of is to some degree is sitting across from lawyers like me or who have been trained by someone like me who know how to look under the hood of a company and and they're afraid what we will find if, if, if not and what they will look like in litigation. And so at the end of the day, it's had a net effect that's been tremendously positive. And I get to go to, I get invited. Um, I know I've done this right in, ter in terms of in terms of my approach, because the industry invites me, right? I, I've gotten to speak to groups of owners and safety directors and, you know, large company corporate safety departments that bring me in to address these areas. So to answer the question about statistics, the most recent statistics aren't good, but the most recent statistics also encompass a time period that involved, some of that time period involves COVID times and, um, and those were not those were not normal times. The roads weren't being occupied the same way. Um, the roads weren't being policed the same way. And so, uh, I'm not, I don't disregard the trend, but I'm looking to see what the trend is continuously. And I believe that we're on a track toward improving safety. Um, more and more companies that I run into out there um, are trying to do the right thing. And uh, it's going to it's going to continue to improve over time. I believe there are some rogues who are out there. You know, the one statistic that's interesting is it's something like don't hold me to this exact number, but it's something like ten percent of the trucking companies are responsible for something like I mean, some huge percentage of or ten percent of the truck drivers or companies are responsible for a huge like well over fifty percent of the crashes out there. So we've got bad actors. And we got to focus on getting rid of the bad actors and then promoting the good actors. Absolutely. So that's the that's the that's my goal. Let's talk about the causes of track accidents. Um, explore the common causes such as driver maybe fatigue, distracted driving, improper maintenance, or inadequate training. Like you mentioned, what is the role of these factors in contributing to accidents? Well, you just on the main ones. So you're now I dub the truck accident <laughs> lawyer. Okay, um, so you're on the right path. I mean, the things that we see and we look at in all these cases is we look at um, the direct things like you focused on the drivers fatigued, the drivers distracted, the drivers not trained uh, properly. Um, but we also look at one other thing and that that you didn't that you didn't mention, and that's we look at what systemically, why is the driver fatigued? Why is the driver undertrained? Why is the driver distracted? Um, why is the equipment what the equipment is, right? And and we we really look to try to make changes occur at the systemic level. It's really you really can't go back and change the tragedy that we are getting hired to address. We can find some compensation for that. We can use it as a springboard to try to improve safety. So that latter part I mean, is, is, um, is so important. So a lot of times um, lawyers who, who, are, who, who are looking at these cases, if they're not trained more specifically in the more advanced areas of truck crash, investigation and 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 the theories of liability in these cases and the relationships that exist within the, the trucking world 
they they treat the case like a car crash case. There's plenty of car crash cases because people are fatigued, plenty because people are distracted, and we all know that, right? But the but the um, the thing that's important is to look at the why. And in the trucking arena, I spend a lot of time thinking about how are drivers motivated? Are they motivated to speed? Are they motivated to drive even if they're fatigued or sick or or something is going on in their lives? Um, or um, you know, is, is, is the company motivated to, um, what, what are they, how are they incentivizing drivers? Are they incentivizing them to be safe and compliant or are they really winking? They're saying the words, be safe and compliant, but they're winking and say, by the way, when nobody's looking, haul ass and get to the next delivery point by such, such a time or else I'm going to dock your damn pay. You know, like, is there a, is there a duplicity to what's going on? Is there is there the public personification, but then the private back room thing where the dispatcher is beating up the driver and saying, I don't care if you're fatigued, get your butt moving. You're not getting paid until unless your wheels are turning. I mean, the whole idea, even within trucking, when you think about it, where else do you have um, an industry where, where anything that goes wrong is pushed down to the person who can least afford it? The driver. I mean, the driver is the least paid person in the in the in the equation, and yet if their wheels aren't turning, they're not earning. That's the that's the the logo, and that's the moniker. Except now, now because of some of the work that I think we're doing, more and more companies are saying, you know what? Maybe they should be salaried so that they don't feel like they have to go exceed the speed limit. Um, uh, maybe we should make sure they have adequate health insurance so that they can actually take care of themselves and not drive uh, in in I mean, a lot of the fatigue stems from you see drivers on the road, and this certainly isn't always true, but a lot of them are overweight. They've, they haven't taken care of themselves. They have a condition called sleep apnea. Sometimes it's diagnosed, oftentimes it's not. But whether it is or isn't, safe trucking companies monitor for that, and they and they know that that's a big deal. Um, companies that are playing at safety pretend. Like they just don't see it, right? Well, that's not it, it, it. That's all great until a catastrophe happens, and then someone like me is sitting across from some safety director or driver, and there's responsibility for wiping out a family. And you know, it's um, it's an ugly situation. We can't help that. We can't really do much to help that family, um, but we can hopefully make something come out of that that uh, lessens the chance of the same problem happening again. Wonderful. Um, now I'd like to uh, to do for you to do a little comparative analysis. Uh, could you compare truck accident statistics with other, other types of motor vehicle accidents to understand the unique risks and consequences associated with truck accidents? Well, you know, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a great, it's a great question. I mean, I think that the, I don't have the statistics available to me to compare. I mean, obviously there's fewer trucks on the road than there are cars on the road. So there's fewer truck crashes than there are regular, you know, truck crashes with non-trucks. Um, there is what, what I, what I can tell you is the statistics bear out the idea that when trucks are involved in crashes, the level of injury and the number percentage-wise, the ratio of fatalities is significantly higher than if it's a car-on-car -car crash. And that makes sense from a physics perspective, right? You've got an 80,000-pound truck, you've got a four or 5,000-pound car or light truck, 
um, when those two vehicles collide, um, that weight ratio, that mass ratio is hugely important. I mean, we're not going to teach science class here today, but I'll tell you that it's it, whatever that ratio is, um, is also the ratio of the forces involved in the crash. So a quick example to make my point is um, if a 20, if a, if a 80,000 pound truck, hits a 4,000 pound car, that's a 20 to one uh, ratio mass ratio um, the it, and let's say the truck hits a, the truck's going 20 miles an hour and it hits the car that's going zero miles an hour. What happens in that situation is the truck only slows down from 20 miles an hour to 19 miles an hour. The car gets sped up from zero miles an hour to 19 miles an hour very, very quickly. And, and that's the science of why these crashes produce so many more injuries from a, from a statistical perspective. I mean, we're, what, what your question kind of poses out there is, is, um, is that our struggle has to do with how do we, how do we um, drive cars and trucks and motorcycles and everything else that's out there on the road with these huge trucks? How do we create the safest system possible? How do we use, and in today's day and age, how do we use technology to start to bridge that gap, the technology both on the cars and on the trucks to try to do it? Because left to our own devices, human beings haven't done a real good job with it, but hopefully with newer technologies, uh, that's improving. I love it. And so that would leave uh, probably, you know, it will have to be a separate uh, podcast episode on just the technology of, of trucks. And it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's improving and it's uh, con- going to continue to. Now let's move to, uh, to something none of us likes to talk about, but needs to hear, and that is fatalities and injuries. Um, how severe truck accidents are in terms of fatalities and injuries? Can you possibly highlight any statistics or, you know, some number, you know, just, just give, give some idea of numbers related to the number of deaths or serious injuries caused by truck accidents? Yeah, like I said earlier, there's a, there's a, um, a little over in the most recent statistics, which are which, which came out from 2001 time period, there was a little over 5,100, I believe, fatalities that involved trucks. Now, keep in mind that where all of these statistics come from is they come from records that are far from perfect and far from complete. So, so unless, uh, you know, so, so somebody has to analyze that. Um, so in other words, don't believe all the statistics that you hear on their face, understand that there's some limitations just because, Every state has their own way of reporting accidents. Um, those have to be somehow collected and analyzed and made sense out of. So it's a far from perfect system. Uh, what is important, I think, for the purpose of our podcast here is that that when a truck is involved in a crash, whether that crash is with another truck, whether that crash is with a car or or a motorcycle or an SUV, uh, the chances of there being, because of the forces involved, again, we talked about the mass and 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 20 times the mass means 20 times the forces. It actually means more than that. Um, but but I, I'm gonna resist getting into math here, but the, the, the because it's exponential. So the amount of energy that's involved in these crashes is huge. And so the chances of there being a significant um a significant injury or a fatality is much higher when a truck's involved. Uh, that's just that's just um, 
anybody who looks at the science will will would understand that to be inherently true. And that's whether the truck is doing the hitting or whether the truck is being hit. Either way, um, we have this mismatch that's occurring between the big, huge truck that's bigger and taller and wider and and center of gravity is different and everything else. And, and the rest of us who are in smaller vehicles that are much less protected from, from injury in those situations. So injury forces are greater. Um, those injury forces are delivered faster. And all of that means that the, that the, um, that the chances of significant injury, and you mentioned all of the different kinds. I mean, when you think about the brain and how, how our anatomy is, um, uh, we're we're miracles, but we're not miracles that can't be completely overrun by these forces. And when you have um, your brain sloshing around in your head, when you have the kinds of forces that happen in a truck impact, you're going to have brain injuries. I mean, some people have heard me say that a truck crash is a brain injury case until proven otherwise, because there's so many forces that it would actually, to me, almost be the exception for it not to have injured uh, you in that way somehow. And it's incumbent upon us as lawyers to be on the lookout for that because frankly, so many brain injuries on the front end get missed by the initial medical evaluation because the brain is not looked at um, because your arm is broken, sure. your leg is broken, you have an open wound that needs to be addressed. And it's oftentimes not until weeks or months later that people say, you know, you're acting wacky. Uh, you're, you're, you don't remember, I just told you the answer to this question or somebody becomes very, very irritable and out of character irritable. In my case, they would say, well, it's just Joe being Joe, <laughs> but, but um, you get what I'm saying uh, that, that then once the immediate more visible injuries are uh, addressed, then sometimes these truly catastrophic life-changing brain injuries occur Um and anybody who does truck crash cases is going to spend time learning about the brain and brain injury and the way that that impacts people. And it truly can be truly, truly catastrophic. And it's in an area, interestingly, where where you know medical science is still very much evolving. And there's a disconnect between the way lawyers talk and think and the way doctors talk and think. And it's interesting to see how that plays out in the court system involving those cases. But we see cases that involve brain injuries a lot. We see, of course, fatalities a lot. We're, we see a lot of amputation cases where um, uh, lower extremity and upper extremity amputations. Uh, we see a fair number of burn cases. We see a, a fair, fair number of spinal cord injury cases. And then there's a host of other cases that are less severe, but still sometimes pretty darn significant to the people who got the broken arm, the busted shoulder, the broken, you know, busted up knee. Uh, those kinds of cases are, I'm not making light of them, um, but uh, the other ones are more serious. Okay. And uh, Joe, what is the economic impact of truck accidents, including the costs associated with medical expenses, uh, maybe property damaged uh, or lost uh, productivity, insurance claims, or anything else worth mentioning? Uh, well, you know, you're, you're hitting on all the, on all the cylinders. I mean, it's um, the cases have, you know, we, we just got done talking about the impact on the human body. And now you're saying, well, what about all the other impacts that are that are quantifiable. And of course they're there. 
right? I mean, you have all kinds, you know, a truck hits car, the chance of that car being totaled are much higher. Um, uh, and, and by the way, much higher than the truck being totaled, right? For the same reasons we talked about. Think about just the mismatch in the height of a bumper on a truck versus on our car. You know, that that starts to explain why people get hurt so much because if the bumpers don't match up, the energy management systems don't match up. And that bumper that's supposed to protect you, it just gets run right over the top of. It's too, you know, the, the so it just doesn't work right. But the the impact the impacts that you're talking about are huge. I mean, uh, and 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 you can look at them at a lot of levels. I mean, you can start off way at the top and say societally, from a society on, on the society, you know, societal costs um, of um, injury and of property damage and of loss of productivity and all of the things that go into that. Think for a second of what the what the loss is from a societal perspective when there's a big truck crash that closes down a roadway for four or five hours and you look and you see the helicopter view of the cars backed up forever ever, and all of the none of those people are getting anything done unless they're on their phone trying to do something right but they're all missing whatever the hell they were supposed to be doing that day they they don't get that time back and they don't get compensated for that time it's just a that's a societal cost we just absorb so we can't really know all of the costs but then when you get all the way to the other side and you get to the individual level, um, it is unbelievable. I mean, take a minute to, to, to think about you know, life as you understand it now, and you're going along and you're, you're making things work. And for some people, that's easier than others. And some people, it's they're living, it's, it's a fragile situation. And then you get in a wreck and you have a medical bill that's a million dollars and it's not over yet. How do you do that? I mean, how can you survive that? Um, and, you know, that's why, I mean, moving into even funding and things like that, that you might know something about, um, I'm joking with you, but, but um, you know, it, it, it's devastating. And now imagine the fear you're, you're a mom and you have worked really hard. Maybe you're a single mom. Or, or not, but you, you've got a couple of kids and you're struggling to keep food on the table and do everything that needs to be done. Everybody listening to this knows how expensive the world is and how much more expensive it's become. And now you've had an injury that's taken you out of work. You don't have a safety net. You go to your, your lawyer in a state like Georgia and you say, what do I do? I mean, how, can you help me? You know, the, you know what the response used to be before funding? opportunities were out there. The, the response was, do you, do you have family members who can lend you money? I'm not allowed to as your lawyer in Georgia. And there's good reasons for that because lawyers used to buy people's cases that way. So I hate for that system to come back. But you had, you had people before funding, you had people who would come in and say, I've got to settle even if it's for 20 cents on the dollar because I can't afford to not. I got to put food on the table right now. You don't understand. I am one month away from being out in the street with my two kids and I don't have a safety net. And, it, and, and I've, I've gone and I've tried to go to all of these places to get help. And it's just not available to me yet. They say, come back when you're on the street. Well, whoa. I mean, there's, there's, there's a missing piece in our society of how to, how to address this. And lawsuits take time, right? On, on average, you're talking about, depending on where you are in the country, it can, from start to finish, I mean, it's going to take you two years or more to get through 
through a case. That, you, that was the statistic before COVID. Imagine the people who got who got in a wreck before COVID, and then everything shut down, and they didn't they you know they didn't get the they didn't get the benefit of having an employer continuing to pay them or whatever the case might be. But anyway, I'm I'm, I'm painting a story. I'm not trying to be melodramatic, you know, in the in the process. There was a time when there were not options available to fund cases, and those cases would get resolved for ridiculously low sums of money because the defense knew that they could. And they would wait for the uh, perfect time and hang a little carrot out there and people would grab the carrot because they had to. It was it was wrong. Um, and so the impacts the impacts are huge and 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 you have to look at the individual case to really understand that. and And if I can just say this, you have to be willing to actually look. You know, you talked about earlier about being willing to listen, right? Well, a lot of what I have to do as a lawyer, is I have to I have to get people to be willing to look, to be willing to hear. Here, here's my client. Here's my client's story. I need you to look at it. And in order for me to do that, by the way, what I found out is I've got to make that about each juror. I've got to make that about each decision maker. I've got to make it, I've got to, I've got to focus on the uniquely human aspects of the case. Um, but what we're all after at the end of the day is dealing with these economics that you're talking about and figuring out ways to do that. Okay. Um, let's analyze for a second the effectiveness of existing regulations for, for a moment. Can, can some potential areas for improvement be still explored? Of course, the answer to that. And I spend time. I mean, I'm spending a fair amount of my time going to D.C., uh, going to and not only going, but talking to people who are in D.C., uh, there's there's uh, regulatory and legislative issues going on right now. I'm not, it would take us too long to go through them right now, but um, but you know we 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 are everything in government moves slowly. So you have you have regulations that frankly are on the books that I don't think are doing much to help us anymore, and I wish we could move away from those. And I'd like to see more regulations that that. Um, I'm not, I'm not about more regulations. The way I should say it this way is smart regulations that take into consideration modern technologies that are available. For instance, we still have hours of service um, regulations that that are an effort to try to manage fatigue by managing how many hours somebody can drive. But there's a disconnect because I can manage how many hours somebody drives, but I can't force them to rest. So I can't really manage how how fatigued they are. But we have technology available now that can watch your eyes as you're driving down the street, monitor how you move the steering wheel, and know whether you're driving erratically in a fatigued state or not. How about some regulation? Let's get rid of the regulations that aren't helping us, but let's require companies to adopt technology that can make a real difference. That's what I'd love to see happen, and I'm working toward that as much as I, as one human being can with the infrastructure that I've built around me through the academy and other people who are interested in this area. And we really truly appreciate you for that. Well, thanks. As well, Joe. Um, uh, let's move away now uh, from regulations into another, not any less um, important topic, and that is technology and truck safety. What is the impact of technological advancements such as collision avoidance systems or electronic logging devices on reducing truck accidents? You know, again, we're back to, you know, I mean, I don't like focusing on statistics as much as I like focusing on trends. Like what, and so, I mean, in some ways that's the same thing, 
but the the there's no question in my mind that we are now you know, things are improving. Um, all of us are driving in cars probably these days that have some form of collision avoidance technology on board. But you have old trucks out there that don't have anything. And guess what? Because of the way the regulations and rules are written, the companies are actually incentivized to keep those trucks because they don't they get exempted from having ha to have the new technology as long as they're operating old trucks, which is kind of silly because those trucks then become the problem. So I mean, I get the reason why you know we want to encourage business and dot 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 dot, but from a safety perspective, it makes no sense. The technologies are far from perfect, just like your technology in your car is far from perfect in terms of avoiding crashes. But it is avoiding it's it's we're getting better and better and better. Collision avoidance technology is definitely improved versus what it was when I started following it in 2008, 2009 time period. We've evolved through several generations now. AI is going to make it even better. Technologies that are able, because of our in increased ability to visualize drivers, technology now, onboard cameras now can watch a driver and they can, they, when a, if a driver picks up a cell phone, it knows because it has an AI algorithm that knows what that looks like. And it can, and it can send a report immediately to a safety director. And not only will there, will there be a report, but there'll be a picture of the guy, you know, with his cell phone. So, so companies now, if they choose to take advantage of the technologies that are already available, they can do much more real-time um, monitoring of drivers in cab as they're driving and take immediate corrective action before a crash. Unlike in the past, where even the safest companies that had technology, they would have to then later go back and look at the technology to see if somebody's being safe or not safe. So what's one of the big areas that has changed a lot is the real-time capability to, to um, uh, uh, monitor and address real-time safety issues. Uh, and that's what I'm, I'm, that's, I'm, it's a big area of my focus and it's a big area when I resolve trucking cases now, if a company's not using that kind of technology, that's kind of become my go-to area to see if I can get that company to adopt that type of technology in an, as part of a settlement so that we can potentially improve the, the, the safety of that company. That's wonderful. And I'm a huge fan of AI. It's just fascinated uh, with that. Do you have any prediction um, how soon AI will be implemented to a good point, to a satisfactory point within trucking industry? I have no none. I mean, uh, because I think that I think that I think it's going to be it's going to be evolutionary. It's going to be constantly evolving. So um, we can we can um, we can expect that to continue to improve over time. And um, it's already having some impacts. But, you know, how I mean, we're at the infancy of this, I think, you know, so I think we should talk about this a year from now and let's see where we are then. I love it. Uh Couple quick questions. We're running out of time. We only have a few minutes left. So, could you, Joe, tell me about one of one of your? I know you have so many, but one of your most memorable trekking cases you've ever worked on. Why did that case leave such a strong impact in your memory? Um, well, you know, as soon as you say something like that, I start spinning in my mind in all these different cases, and I start seeing the faces of the people who are left here. Um, so. Um, uh, I think the, the cases, I'll say it, I, one case that comes to mind, um, I won't go into the specifics of the case, but it, it, as much as just 
what came out of it because what it taught me, um, it was a case that involved uh, a family of a family of four who were killed. Um, and what it what it taught me, uh, among other things, but what it taught me was this concept that as part of a settlement, it doesn't only have to be monetary. That what I could do is I could go and say, we'll only agree to start talking to you about money if you will first do X. And in that case, X was adopting uh, the kind of technology that we were talking about just a minute ago. And so that was that 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 particular case was a little uh, it was probably close to 15 years ago now, four, thir 13 years ago, if I'm doing my math right. Um, and it taught me that lesson. And since then, the reason it's so important to me is that lesson has now translated to where I know I'm responsible for tens of thousands of trucks on the road having certain technologies on board that they may or may not have if I if I if I hadn't been involved in pushing for it. So it taught me that lesson that then I've been able to promulgate. And, and even just this past weekend, talking to lawyers, I reminded them, don't forget, it's not only about money, it's about safety. And uh, now I want to ask you briefly about something totally different. Tell me, Joe, how a determination, humility, and love of people can take one in the personal life, relationships, business, or community. How can that those those specific characteristics how how impactful can they be in one's life well that we can do a whole podcast on that um you know because i think at the at the at the end of the day that's life's journey for me is to figure out the answer to that question i mean i've i've um i've been on a life journey um and i'm continue to be on a life journey and i'm continue to try to look and see how how um I know it sounds corny to say it, but how can compassion and empathy and love play out within the legal world? That's not that's not the way the world sees law. But why do I have to go into a deposition with a truck driver who's responsible for a number of deaths and hate that person? The truth is I don't. Um, and um, I don't have to do that to be an effective lawyer. I don't have to do that to be an effective advocate. Um, and I now believe that that's not the right way to practice law. I think that we need to be reevaluating that. Um, instead of doing this topic a short, um, short, um, I'd rather stop with that concept and then um, invite you to have another talk with me when we could explore those areas, um, because it's a huge part of it's a huge part of where I am in my journey right now is playing with that issue. Absolutely love it. And one last question on sure. And this one is a quick one. Uh, it's a fun pop-up question. You ready? I don't know if I am, but I'll find <laughs> out. Say yes, I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> so tell me, Joe, is something you think is true that almost nobody agrees with you on? Something I know is true, but almost nobody agrees with me on. Hmm. Um. I think that I, I don't, uh, gosh, that's a hard question. Could pop up question. What's coming to my mind right now is uh, what we just said. And that's that what I know is true is that I don't have to be somebody who beats somebody up to be an effective lawyer, an effective advocate, not only for the best result for my client but for my best result for the world, um, I can bring 
hopefully humility, uh, hopefully love, hopefully compassion, hopefully an understanding for everybody involved in a matter and keep that all together at one time in my mind and still affect the same result without having to hate anybody. Um, and that's a work in progress, but I believe it to be true. And sometimes when I talk to lawyers who are steeped in the tradition of how we've been practicing law forever, they look at me like a freakazoid. <laughs> so uh, that's that's what I'd say for now. I love it. Well, thank you so much again for being my very special guest. Uh, this was attorney uh, Joe Fried with uh, Fried Goldberg. Thank you again for all listening to my podcast, Design for Manager Funding. We'll see you soon. Uh, until then, be well. Thank you. Thank you.